welcome to Lifelong Podcast. I am your host, Teddy Kumjan. Thank you for being here. If you're not doing so already, you are going to want to follow along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod because recently I did a three-day giveaway featuring my favorite non-toxic products for you all to win. And there were three awesome uh, winners and I am going to be doing more of these in the future. Plus, over on the Instagram, I share exclusive content. I'm also now on TikTok at lifelong underscore pod and also on YouTube, which all of those socials will be linked in the show notes. So be sure to show your support on all platforms. It's really appreciated. Speaking of social media, I stumbled across the most aligned girl ever the other day. Feel Good with Fee, Fiona Riddle, and saw this girl's page and she was posting about the sun and all these really nourishing recipes that weren't like other quote-unquote healthy recipes you see on Instagram. Like these were filled with super ancient and nourishing foods that were nutrient-dense and just the visuals on her page. I don't know. I really was vibing. And so I reached out to her and invited her on Lifelong and she accepted and she is my guest this week. So Fiona Riddle is a certified health coach and private chef in Los Angeles focused on helping women create vibrant health with real food. When she's not working with clients, she loves creating healthy recipes, spending time at the beach, reading in the sun and baking sourdough. This episode is filled with resources. There are so many links in the show notes, so peep all of those, but give the full episode a listen because Fiona shares tons of resources. She is a breath of fresh air in this space, and in the episode, we talk about real food nourishment, nutrient density versus nutrient depletion, body resiliency, the keys to the best homemade sourdough, and how to live healthy in a big city. I love this episode, and I know you're going to love it too, so please join me in welcoming Fiona Riddle. Hello, Fiona. Thanks for getting up bright and early to record, and can you start out by introducing the audience, telling them about who you are and what you've been up to and all the things? Yeah, so I'm Fiona. I go by Feel Good with Fee on Instagram. I am a certified health coach and personal private chef in Los Angeles. So I work one-on-one with clients to help them improve their health. And then I also cook for mostly local families, helping them just have healthier, nourishing, delicious food. And yeah, that's basically the gist of what I do. That's awesome. I would love to have a personal chef, especially someone who is... (laughs) aligned health-wise and nutrition-wise. I feel like there's a broad spectrum of, you know, lifestyles and diets and I don't like the word diet, but you know what I mean. So I'm sure your clients are super lucky to have you. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, in Los Angeles, especially people always have their dietary interests or needs. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't want dairy or they don't want red meat, which like I am a very big proponent of real food and just real nourishing food. But 
if a client wants something specific, I'm happy to give it to them. Like even if they want something plant-based, I can do that for them. I just do it in a way that I think is more healthful, less processed plant foods and more whole plant foods. You know, there's definitely like a way to do it in a more sustainable, wholesome fashion. So you have to kind of put your own beliefs aside sometimes when you're doing this. And it's still fun though, because it's kind of a creative challenge in Mm -hmm. a way as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel that with the plant-based things there you can go in the store and find a plant-based cheese but then you read the back of it and it's like what on god's green earth is even in this quote-unquote cheese so yeah i'm sure you find all the the good ways to accommodate and do it in a healthier fashion so how did you get into this line of work though like what was your story there it's honestly pretty kind of a meandering story but To keep it short, I've always been interested in food and cooking. I grew up in a household that was always big on food and family meals. So I've always loved it. I also grew up in a household that was very focused on organic, fresh foods for the most part. We didn't eat a ton of packaged, ultra-processed foods. We never really had fast food or our snacks were mostly real food ingredients made into a mini meal. So that was kind of, yeah, it was great. I mean... At the time, I didn't appreciate it because I was like, I want Lunchables and I want fruit gushers like my friends are having. Looking back now, I am really thankful that that is how I was brought up. But despite that, I still struggled with a ton of digestive issues my entire life, essentially. Like I was always the kid complaining of a stomach ache and not feeling well after basically every meal. I was pretty tired, I feel like, for a kid and also developed pretty severe anxiety at a young age, like I'd say probably elementary, middle school. So there were a lot of like underlying health issues that on the surface I was healthy, but it was just all these like chronic symptoms that I never really could understand what was going on. Then in college, I kind of started to understand how food is connected to that, which to me now sounds crazy that I didn't understand that what I was eating was connected with how I was feeling, but it's not really common sense. It's not something that we're taught. So in college, I kind of started to figure that out and try to eat healthier. But my idea of healthy at that time was more like chicken breasts and plain vegetables and like no fat or anything because I was still in that I guess diet culture mindset so then fast forward post-college I started working at a startup company that brings healthy food to the masses and I started learning a lot about nutrition that way and I realized that a lot of these foods that we grow up fearing or learn to fear or think we need to restrict are actually some of the most nutrient-dense foods like eggs, red meat, butter, animal fats, all of those. So I started just embracing that lifestyle and I kind of went on the paleo track for a while, which I'm no longer on that, but I thought that like the grains and the dairy were all terrible. Mm. Since then, I've now kind of realized it's a lot more of how you prepare these foods and how you eat them versus the actual food itself. And I've been able to really clear up most of my anxiety, depression. I stopped. I was on prescription depression medication for a while. I stopped taking that. I've not really been struggling with digestive issues. I'm just a lot happier, healthier, more energetic. And so I want to help spread that to other people. So through like personal 
chef work or private coaching and just teaching people how to embrace a more like real food, nutrient dense lifestyle in general, not just food, but holistic as well. Thank you for sharing your story. I, I appreciate all the details, even going back to childhood. <laughs> I feel that there's not a lot of people that I talk to or interview that had the privilege of growing up in a organic or very natural-minded household, so that's really cool. My mom, actually, she was... I'm sure you're, you grew up way healthier, but my mom was very into health, and but she kind of tried to push it on us, and then... I like rebelled in a way like would convince her to buy junk food and I think so there was like kind of a balance of I'd eat the organic food that she got but then I also would get like goldfish and like it was there wasn't a good balance but at least <laughs> she was buying organic food and like she was she was like juicing wheatgrass and doing all these funny things so extreme for the early 2000s. So anyways, I, I kind of relate there, but I'm so glad that you were able to heal yourself and also notice the connection between food and your mood and mental health and all of the things because obviously the gut controls so much and food goes right into our gut and all the different things. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, totally. I know it's kind of a, there's a lot going on there, but it's I feel like it's helpful to kind of hear like a lot of people sometimes I hear their story and it seems so like I had this health issue I did this and now here I am and it's like mine is very up and down and all over the place and I went in so many different roads and tried different diets and yeah just like a lot of self experimenting I guess you could say to get to where I am now yeah I mean I think it they're the people that say they did only x y and z to get to where they are i feel like they're liars or they're hiding it <laughs> because like good things take time and trial yeah. and error and i mean you going through all of that it was like your own research so that's really really cool i love that what does yeah. real food nourishment mean to you how would you explain that to the audience what can they be on the lookout for you listed some of those nutrient-dense foods but yeah, maybe talk a little bit about real food nourishment and dive into the details of some of those nutrient-dense foods too. Yeah, totally. I think a very simple way of putting it is that real food ideally doesn't come in a package or it's a single ingredient. So it's fresh fruit, it's vegetables, it's meat, it's eggs, it's some cheese or something like that where it's not a mixture of chemicals made in a lab or created by a company it doesn't have artificial flavors or artificial additives or gums or fillers it is just the actual food that nature created so that's kind of how i look at it there's also the difference between ultra processed foods which i strongly recommend avoiding and i avoid and prepared processed foods because most of our foods are processed technically. Like we have to process a cow to get the beef to be able to eat it. We have to process milk and turn it into cheese. Mm -hmm. But the difference between mm -hmm. that processing and ultra processed is ultra processed typically has ingredients in it that we would never be able to cook with on our own or at home. You wouldn't open your 
spice cabinet and find like high fructose corn syrup or locust bean gum or some of these things that just aren't in our kitchens. Mm -hmm. And that's where it starts to kind of stray from nature's intended purposes and nutrient dense foods. And I, I hate the term bad food or good food or, you know, like I hate these like very polarizing, but I think of them as nutrient dense and nutrient depleted. And when we take something and we process it, I think that that's where we get those nutrient depleted foods. So the difference could even be something like, you know, you could get some some like wild rice and cook your wild rice maybe in bone broth or something to add some extra nutrients. And that's a great carb side dish for a meal. Mm -hmm. But then we take that same rice and we like pulverize it into either an oil and use chemicals to extract it or we add it into some other mixture and we puff it and we add in these natural flavors and all this. So yeah, technically it's rice, but it's not the same rice that you would get just from nature. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest differentiation. Some of what I would say are the core nutrient-dense real foods are a lot of animal products. So I mentioned red meat, also wild-caught seafood, eggs. I'm really into raw dairy now and we can like talk oh, about yes. that too. Yeah, that's a, I'd say in the past year or so, I've gotten more into that. Fermented foods are really big. So fermented veggies, kefir. I've been really into kefir. Honey. I don't. I would okay. love to try, but I have never done it yet. Maybe okay. one day. One thing I have, though, been making a lot on the fermented realm is sourdough. I recently started making my own sourdough. So I kind of like reintroduced bread into my diet through that method because sourdough is a much more traditional nourishing way of eating bread and grains did you yeah. go about re sorry to interrupt for a second but how did you oh, no, go okay. about reintroducing bread into the diet with making the sourdough did you start out by eating just a little bit or doing like the super super fermented pizza dough or I guess what was your approach or did you just go all in you're like okay like I'm gonna <laughs> just eat whatever and I'm curious um, for myself yeah because I'm being okay. selfish here because I, I'm very sensitive to gluten and I tried Got to it. do sourdough and I, I don't know the best approach. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it is very personalized, so it's hard to say like one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I, as I mentioned before, I kind of leaned into the paleo diet for, I'd say close to two years, not fully strict, probably 90%. So I'd still go out to eat with friends and have whatever bread. I did notice definitely though that it would give me a stomach ache when I ate gluten and dairy and those like trigger foods as you kind of call them. But I think for me and for a lot of people that I've talked to, there is a lot of taking those foods out of your diet, especially those more low quality foods can help to really rebuild your gut health and help you become more resilient. I think resilience is kind of the main goal that people should strive for or that mm -hmm. I strive for so that you can mostly eat a nutrient-dense diet but when you do go out with friends or you do want to indulge your body's able to bounce back and so by building up that resilience by focusing on 
removing ultra-processed foods, removing excess added sugar and low-quality products, I was able to build up the resilience and kind of start to incorporate it back in. So I actually started with gluten-free sourdough that I bought from a brand. I didn't make it myself. And I really enjoyed that and kind of just having that bread aspect. I started learning a lot about sourdough. The book Eat Like a Human by Dr. Bill Schindler is fantastic. If anyone's interested in learning more about, yeah, like learning more about traditional ways of eating. Super cool book and there's great recipes. But yeah, so then I that just kind of, yeah, inspired me to want to make my own. I bought it a few times at a grocery store. I would have a slice or two and I felt fine. So I figured might as well experiment. And yeah, I've been making it now for a couple months. I'm not like an expert by any means, but it's been really fun and I feel great after it. Like I made cinnamon, sourdough cinnamon rolls recently. And normally you eat a cinnamon roll, you feel pretty gross after. Yeah. (laughs) This one was made with like organic flour and it was fermented and I used raw butter and Mm. Like as high quality, it was so good. As high quality as you can get. And I felt completely fine. Like I felt energized and good after. So yeah, I think it's kind of testing how your body feels slowly, trying it out, like not just diving head first, mm-hmm. experimenting with it. But yeah, the the gluten-free, I mean, the sourdough is not technically gluten-free, but it is gluten-reduced. So the actual lactic acid bacteria that's in sourdough breaks down the protein the gluten because it releases enzymes that break it down so there's some people say that normal store-bought bread has about 200,000 parts per million of gluten and a loaf of sourdough truly fermented sourdough is closer to 200 parts per million so it's going to differ depending on yeah it's crazy And it'll differ depending on how long you ferment it and the flour you use, of course, but it's obviously a very drastic difference. Wow. Yeah, that's super helpful. And you're motivating me to get a starter again. I think my sister has one, so I'm going to steal part of her starter and work on the sourdough reintroduction (laughs) again. But as far as making the sourdough and your process, I know you said you've only been doing this for a couple months, but what I saw on Instagram, it looks like you're a professional. So what is your what is the process and what are the keys to making successful pretty sourdough and delicious sourdough (laughs) yeah so from what i've found the keys are really like temperature control like you really need a warm environment so i was having trouble with my starter not rising or the bread not really rising and i've now started to keep it near like a space heater when I'm trying to get my starter to rise. And that really helps because the yeast and the bacteria need a warm environment to thrive. Also, the water you use should be filtered. You don't want chlorine in the water or else that can kill off the yeast and bacteria. The starter is essentially just flour and water with live microbes that make their way in there from the environment, from your skin, from the flour. So you're not adding any commercial yeast in the way that most bread products are made. So you're just trying to kind of help these live microbes thrive. So the temperature, the filtered water, also it takes time. Like it takes about a day, a day and a half to actually make the bread. So you need to plan ahead. You need to be patient. 
<laughs> honestly experimenting with it. You know, I've had a few loaves turn out not so pretty, but they do usually taste really good regardless. So yeah, honestly, it takes takes a little time, takes some patience, but it's fun. I, I think you just need to think of it as kind of an experiment or a creativity project mm -hmm. and not be too fixed on the outcome. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And when I yeah. when I had made it, I was making, I don't know, I probably made like somewhere between five to 10 loaves. And while I wasn't eating it, my fiance was eating it. It was such a fun process. It was so creative and you just feel, I don't know, I just felt very like womanly. I don't know. Like that's yes, probably yeah, antiquated, yeah. but you know what I mean? No, it's I like love that. that. Kind of homesteading in the in the city vibes. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. I feel very it's like meditative in a way. I feel very like connected and grounded to kind of to tradition and just to myself. And I feel like being closer to your food is so important when we're so disconnected in this world, especially living in the city. So this is such a good way to be able to connect more to your food and to spend a day, a day and a half making something and it comes out of the oven and it smells incredible and it's warm and you put some raw butter on it and flaky salt and then you can share it with people that you love. Like it's it's the best feeling to be able to do that and to be able to create that for yourself. So I totally get what you're saying. I think that the femininity and like the womanhood is mm -hmm. that nurturing aspect of being able to create and share these gifts with others. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And not in a like sexist way. It's just kind of our nature. It really, it really is. And that's so beautifully, yeah. beautifully said. So you're in L.A., and mm -hmm. I'm in Chicago. A lot of my audience resides in big cities. What are some tips for living a healthy lifestyle while residing in a big city? It's a good question. I would say, obviously, I am a little bit like fortunate to live in Los Angeles where it is basically always sunny. Mm -hmm. But I think that sun, sunlight, light is a huge thing, especially living in the city where we don't have as much nature just around us. So really making an effort to get outside when you can, get sunlight, get fresh air, see nature whenever you can. If that's the beach, if that's a park, if that's your backyard, if that's buying more plants in your house, <laughs> just being able to connect more to nature, taking your shoes off and walking barefoot in the grass or sand or whatever it is to get grounded. And then really... I think working to, one, try to get closer to your food if you can, if there's a farmer's market near you, if you can find companies online, like there are a lot of great farms that you can order meat from, getting closer to it and really thinking about what you're eating can be very helpful. And then also just focusing on adding more whole foods to your diet. So focusing more on like the fresh fruits and veggies and home-cooked meals versus always going out to eat. I know in a city, it's like there are so many different restaurants mm -hmm. and a lot of them are delicious. But if you can learn to cook at home, you can make meals that are even more delicious for a fraction of the price and make you feel way better after you eat them. True. So that's <laughs> kind of, yeah, it, it took me a while to learn that. And then once I did, I was 
it's kind of sad now because I used to love going out to eat. And now it's like I would much rather be at home and make myself a nice ribeye and some mashed potatoes or whatever it is. It's, you know, a quarter of what you'd pay at a restaurant. And I think it tastes way better. But yeah, just trying to get back to nature, get connected, get grounded. I think those are some of the best methods to trying to live a more well-rounded life in a big city. I love that. Even yeah. the grounding aspect, I'm not as lucky as you of being in a sunny, warm place, but we Midwesterner, us Midwesterners really take advantage of our summers <laughs> and our springs and our early falls, and I soak up every single second I can get so I can charge up for the winter when I have to go into hibernation mode. But even when it's that hibernation mode, sometimes I'll just open my balcony door, and even if it's like 10 degrees, but I'll bundle up and get the sun on my face because it's like, we have to do this. We need the sun. And and there's a lot of other ways you can try to ground too. Traveling is great too in the winter. Yeah, that's true. But also like leaning into the season is another good way to kind of, you know, like if it is cold and it is snowing, whatever it is, it's like, okay, make yourself like a nice cozy stew and let yourself kind of relax and drink hot tea and like read a good book and really lean into that aspect of it too. And then, yeah, oh, yeah, when summer comes around, embrace it fully and get as much sun as you can. Yeah, I love that you said that because with the seasons, I just growing or growing up and living somewhere where we experience all four seasons, like to a T, some seasons longer than others, but it's so poetic in a way. I always am so amazed by not to get very philosophical, but there is a really strong philosophical and spiritual component to the the change in the seasons and this new energy and this different energy. And yeah, it's kind of cool. So thanks for, I, I like what you said. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, totally. I feel that way with spring. Like you feel it smell, this might sound weird, but it like smells warmer. Like it smells, it smells sweeter, so you good. know? It smells so yeah, good. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's life things yes yeah I mean yeah yeah so that's yeah I totally get that and I love it Mm -hmm. it's amazing so you mentioned that there are some good places to order high quality meat and I know you like raw dairy and this is going to depend on location and things like that but what are some of those brands that maybe people located all over the nation could try to look out for online deliveries or if there's listeners in LA a good spot to get raw dairy if you could let them know yeah totally so the raw dairy like legality is pretty crazy across the country and in other places it's not legal everywhere but usually you can get raw cheeses and raw farm has really great raw cheeses so you can usually get those I think you can get them nationwide. I'm not positive, though. And then if you're in L.A., they sell milk. And there's another farm, Clairville, that sells milk, which you can get at most, like, health food stores. Online, you can look up. There's a website, Shire Local, I believe, or Find Real Food, I think is what it's called. I believe it's Find Real Food. I know Shire because I had Tan Man on my show. Yes, I listened to that episode. <laughs> yeah, he created that. Food? I think it's okay. called Find Real Food, but I'm not positive. Oh. But I can, I can let you yeah, know. Yeah, we can circle um, back so I can link those. Yeah. And then there's also, for meat, like Force of Nature has really great meat. White Oak Pastures. 
perennial pastures in San Diego is a great farm. Yeah, there are a ton. And one thing that you can do also is if you go on like the Weston A. Price website, mm, they have a lot of great resources for more real food, traditional kind of food. And they have a lot of great resources of where you can find things near you since I've kind of honed in more on like the LA and luckily we can get more stuff here but yeah that's a good place to look awesome you just dropped so many resources i'm (laughs) really appreciative of that i'm gonna link all those in the show notes for the listeners and oh my gosh i love weston a price i listen to their podcast a lot yeah that that is like my that's my philosophy i feel like if you're like if you're gonna be following a i guess diet cult trend whatever you want to call it like that kind of real food enjoying your food type mentality I really like it's not about restricting it's just about adding in the foods that are going to make you feel the best and that are best for you know the environment and health and and all that absolutely well this has been amazing Fiona in closing where can everyone find you so on Instagram I am feel good with fee I also have a website feel good with fee those are like the two main places I have a newsletter you can sign up for on my website and yeah awesome thank you yeah thank you for having me this is great one more thing before you go are you subscribed to lifelong podcasts have you left a rating and review are you following along on instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with heidi if you're not doing so already Consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.